We're going to turn now to God's Word as we continue in our uh, series on the fruits of the Spirit. This morning we're looking at goodness, and you don't have to go very far in the Bible to hear about God's goodness. It's, it's in the creation. So we, uh, we are going to look at Genesis chapter 1 uh, this morning as well as our um, <coughs> passage from Galatians. Genesis 1.1 In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. And God said, let there be an expanse between the waters to separate water from water. So God made the expanse and separated the water under the expanse from the water above it. And it was so. God called the expanse sky, and there was evening and there was morning the second day. And God said, let the water under the sky be gathered to one place, and let dry ground appear. And it was so. God called the dry ground land, and the gathered waters he called seas. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let the land produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it, according to their various kinds. And it was so. The land produced vegetation, plants bearing seed according to their kinds, and trees bearing fruit with seed in it according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the third day. And God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the sky to separate the day from the night, and let them serve as signs to mark seasons and days and years, and let them be lights in the expanse of the sky to give light on the earth. And it was so. God made two great lights, the greater light to govern the day and the lesser light to govern the night. He also made the stars. (laughs) God set them in the expanse of the sky to give light on the earth, to govern the day and the night, and to separate light from darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the fourth day. And God said, let the water teem with living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the sky. So God created the great creatures of the sea and every living and moving thing with which the water teems according to their kinds and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. God blessed them and said, be fruitful and increase in number and fill the water in the seas and let the birds increase on the earth. And there was evening and there was morning, the fifth day. And God said, let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds, livestock, creatures that move along the ground, and wild animals, each according to its kind. And it was so. God made the wild animals according to their kinds, the livestock according to their kinds, and all the creatures that move along the ground according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. 
Then God said, Let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over ever, every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds of the air and all the creatures that move on the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning, the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. My friends, my friends, my friends, God is good. All the time. Let's try that again. God is good. All the time. Yes. Yes. That's better. That went exactly how I thought it would. There, the, the, another pastor in the area, uh, Carl from over in Beaverton, he has a sign right behind his desk. It's a beautiful wooden sign and it says, God is good all the time, like in the shape of a cross. And every time I'm, t- I'm talking on, you know, like Skype with him and he's sitting there, I just see that. And it's such an amazing reminder. No matter what happens in our churches, no matter what we go through personally, no matter what struggles we're going through, God is good all the time. All the time, God, God is good. It's, it's not the goodness of the world that God created the world with in Genesis 1. You know, those six times he says good, one time he says very good. That is the core truth of, of the universe. That is where it all begins. And that's where it's all going to end, too, in the new creation. But not the, you know, not the evil, not the pain, not everything that we've gone through. God and his goodness have the last word. They have the last word. There was a, um, a gentleman named Imre Kurtitz, and he, he won the Nobel Prize a few years ago for literature, and he was in the concentration camps back in World War II because he was, he was Jewish. And he was this young boy, and all those horrific experiences, all the things that he, he, seen, that he saw, but what he remembered the most afterwards was not the cruelty and the injustice. What he remembered was these little acts of goodness and these little acts of kindness that were around from people that were being abused, from people that were being killed. There were signs of goodness and kindness and all these other fruits of the Spirit that we've been learning about. There were signs of that. And it caused him as a teenager, as a young man, you know, rebuilding his life after the concentration camps, to say, not, not to say, 
why does evil exist? You know, so often we ask that question. Why is there evil in the world? Why is there pain and suffering? He didn't ask that question. He asked the opposite. Why is there goodness? Why is there beauty in the world? Why is there kindness? Why is there love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and all these things? How, how can you explain that without God? That there is a good God that created the universe and sustains it today and one day will completely renew it and restore it. If you think about that fruit of the Spirit, God's goodness, you have to think about it as it's, it's the source of everything. It's at the beginning. So as we look at this passage, we're going to think about the creation the fall and the redemption. You know, the creation of this good world, the fall that brought evil into the world that's caused by, by us, and then the redemption of this good world, this good universe that God is bringing through Jesus Christ. So what's the definition of goodness? It's, it's to be in harmony with God. It's to live how God created us to live in the beginning. To, uh, to walk in His ways. To do the things that, that He shows us to do. And, and this is seen all over creation. I mean, you saw it. You, you, you heard it just now. The goodness. The way that I think of it is, it's goodness, is goodness is baked into creation. You know, it, it's there and you can't, you can't get it out. It's, it's an ingredient that goes in. And no matter how much we sin and how foolish we are, nothing can take away the goodness of, of God's creation. It's not completely lost. As I mentioned, six times God said, that's good, that's good. The word that he uses is, um, is tov. You know, that comes from, you, you probably heard the expression mazel tov, you know, tov. That means, literally, it, you know, it means good luck, but it's, it's like a blessing. You, you say it to somebody when they have a baby. And that comes from this idea of good. That was good. God created all that, and then he said that human beings were not good, but very good. So let's stop and think about that for a while. I mean, I love, I kind of chuckled at that, that line, you know, then he made the stars. I mean, it kind of seems like a throwaway line, right? But the, the vastness of the universe, and scientists are only beginning to understand how huge it was, and God said that. God said it, and it, and it happened. I have a little uh, picture I want to show you that gives you a little glimpse of the vastness of, of the world that God created with a word. There we are. We're not even, I mean, we're barely even on the map. <laughs> um, you know, I don't explain all this, so I'll let a scientist uh, explain it a little bit. Our local cosmic backyard, called the solar system, is located around an insignificant star amount, around, among, sorry, a hundred billion others in the corner of an insignificant galaxy that is among a hundred billion other galaxies. 
and God made the stars. <laughs> Amazing. I mean, we, we argue all day long. Well, how did it work? When did he make it? Did he make it in six days? Did he make it over millions of years? That doesn't even matter. It's who. Who made it? God made it. God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Jesus made that. Amazing. Amazing. And he called it good. And then he called me and you very good. Very, very good. (laughs) Yeah, this, this picture, it's not supposed to make us feel small or insignificant. It's supposed to make us feel like kings and priests. Because God said, oh yeah, that's good. But these people, these people, I'm making them in my image. And they are very good. God loves us more than he loves the stars and the galaxies. That's amazing. Amazing. And, you know, we kind, of, we kind of beat ourselves up and think lowly of ourselves. But God says we are very good. Incredible. Psalm 8 says, What is mankind that you are mindful of him, and the son of man that you care for him? Yet you've made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You've given him dominion over the works of your hands. You've put all things under his feet. So that goodness, that goodness that's in creation, it, it, it points us to a creator. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. A creator that is good. A creator that is the source of grace and love. And yet, if we continue to read in our Bibles, in God's Word, we see that evil comes into play. And evil is where everything you know, falls apart. In Genesis 3, 6, it says, When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. So if goodness is living in harmony with God, what is evil? It's living out of harmony with God. Uh, You know, I was privileged to lead worship this morning, and... You know, do, do Roger and Carrie and I, do we just play whatever we want? Do we just make it up as we go? Or do we play the same chords and the same melody and the same rhythm? We play in harmony with each other so that we sound like one cohesive whole. That's how God wants us to live. That's God's goodness on, on display. That's what he's calling us to. Not... You know, not to play in some other key, not to play whatever rhythm we want, but that's evil. Goodness is to live in harmony with God. And evil came into the world because we thought that we knew better. You know, the serpent tempted Adam and Eve using these words. Did God actually say... Or did God really say this? And 
you know, I, sometimes I can't believe that people doubt the Bible or doubt, you know, that it's real, that it's historical, because we're human beings, and we do the exact same thing all the time that Adam and Eve did. We say, did God really say? I wonder. I mean, there are many interpretations to this scripture. Not all Christians believe like this, and we doubt, and we take it apart, and we do everything we can to get to that point of saying, did God really say? You're going to make me give you an example, aren't you? Let's um, just think about the, think about the Sabbath. Think about the Sabbath. Um, you know, you have one day, God said, you know, it's right there in Genesis 1, and it's all over the Bible, really. God said, you know what, I created you guys to work for six days and to rest for one day, so that you have a day where you can delight in me, where you can sit back, where you can be recreated and renewed, and you can remember that you don't run the universe, I run the universe, Isn't it crazy? I read this book last month that said, isn't it crazy that God had to make a commandment to tell people to rest? That's absurd. Why why can't we rest? Why can't we take a day off and just enjoy God? That's, That's one way. That's one way that we say to God, no, no, no. I, I can live. I'll live seven days a week. I'll keep going. I'll keep going. I've got this, God. And then we burn out. Because it's not how God created us to live. He did six and one. It's not 24-7. It's 24-6. God wants to, us to enjoy him. He wants us to worship on Sunday and rest. Go home and take a nap. Please. And I, I, you know, Pastor Chad reminded us that it's Ash Wednesday, and then Lent begins. And Lent is this wonderful season of preparing for Easter, of remembering that from dust we were created and dust we will return. God might be calling you to, uh, to some practices or to giving things up. God might be calling you to really practice the Sabbath in this season of life. I know that if you test God in that, you will wake up on Easter morning and you will be different. So take time. Ask God what he wants you to do in these next, these next 40 days. There are lots of other things like this. That's just one example. You know, there's the consumerism and the sexual immorality and drinking too much and just all kinds of things that are not how God created us to live. And when we live like that, they actually just make us miserable. Because even that's a grace to say when you're at the end of your rope, I'm calling out to Jesus. And he saves us. Creation, fall, and redemption. Even as God, even as God is dealing with Adam and Eve, and he's you know, speaking the curse over the serpent, he is redeeming Adam and Eve. And he's giving them a lifeline. He doesn't destroy them. What does he do? They realize that they're naked. They realize that they're ashamed. And God clothes them. It says that God made clothing for them. And that's just a, that is just a sign. That's a sign that points to Jesus. And the rest of the Bible picks this up. And the Apostle Paul says, um, put on the righteousness of Christ. Put on his clothing. <laughs> 
Put on his robes. Put on his perfection. Put on his righteousness. Don't trust in your own righteousness. Even the end of the Bible. So we have this in the beginning of the Bible, the end of the Bible. Revelation 19 talks about how the church, the end of all time, will be wearing the robes of Christ. His righteousness, his perfection, standing before God, totally redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. So if we know, if we know that the end of the story is goodness, God's goodness triumphing over evil, how are we going to live today? What does that cause us to do? What difference can that make you know, in our lives? Because if we have our eyes open, we see God doing this now. We see him taking the most evil things and turning them into good. Just like he did in Joseph's life in the Old Testament, he's doing it today. So we have our eyes open to how he's moving. I read a, I read a story this week about a woman who came to church. She was a young woman, but she had been through so much. And she was, she was pretty, pretty broken, um, pretty, pretty ashamed of the choices that she had made. Um, she, she, she had this wild life, this kind of wild past that she was um, seeking to leave behind. You know, she had, she had had an abortion and she had made all these choices that were, that were very painful. And she came into the church and she found hope for the first time in her life, real hope in God's goodness. And she found healing. She found a group of people that came around, around her and said, God's grace is real no matter what. He can redeem even the worst things. So let's, let's call this, this woman Annie. So she grew and she found her righteousness, not in her good works or what she has done, but in the righteousness of Christ. Eventually, she grew and she became one of the people that prays with folks down front. She joined that prayer team after, after years of, of growing with Christ and, and uh, finding that hope. And one week, a woman came up to her and she was pregnant and she was about to have an abortion. And she felt convicted, you know, while she was at church. And, but she still didn't know what to do. I mean, she didn't... She, she was in a, in a predicament, and she came up front, and she came, and Annie met her there and prayed with her. And as they prayed together, and as they, they talked, you know, she just said, she said, don't, don't do this evil thing. And she said, in fact, I will take your baby. I will adopt him. I'll raise him like my own. And they were so moved by the Spirit they were so led to, to exchange that evil and make something good and beautiful that when this article was written, it's three and a half years later, there's a joyful, laughing, energetic three-year-old boy running around the church that day because of this evil that was exchanged. And God brought good out of it. God brought beauty out of it. That's the kind of stuff that people do when they are connected to Jesus, when they are rooted in the vine, that's the fruit that bubbles up. You know, goodness. 
God can use anything. You know, we have choices that we're ashamed of. We, we have struggles. We have doubts. And we think that God can't bring something good out of it. But that's all he does. That's all he does. He brings good out of the evil. And that's what the cross is really all about. The cross is the ultimate sign of that, the ultimate time that God did that. When religious people put Jesus to death and God raised him up. God brought goodness. God brought Jesus back to life. And things are going to be good again. Things are going to be tov again because of that, that Jesus is renewing lives and people one at a time, each one of us. And everything that we do, every little act of kindness, every meal that we bring to someone who's sick or suffering, every good word or kind word, encouraging word that we say to a coworker, every good act that we do, it matters. It matters because it's part of God's renewing work to make this world good once more. It all matters, and Jesus will do it in his time and in his way. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, you are good, and your mercy endures forever. Thank you that you created this world in goodness. You called us, your people, very good, and you will restore things. Help us in the meantime, when we live in this world that is broken, to live with the end in mind, to pursue your goodness and your truth, to exchange evil for for good, to be part of your renewing work in this world, Lord. Goodness is stronger than evil. We claim that for ourselves and for our church and for our neighbors this day. It's in your name we pray. Amen.